If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Hey guys, Jalen here with Black Earth Renaissance. I just want to let you guys know, we just dropped our new ebook, Manage Your Money Like the 1%, a step-by-step guide to managing your finances. This book is intended to change your viewpoint on money being a tool and not just an object and strengthen your relationship with your finances. We also share a few tips on how to get rid of debt, start saving for retirement, and we even give you a few tips on how you can start investing today. We want to thank you guys for being such loyal listeners by offering you guys a 25% off promo code whenever you purchase the book. Just enter in the code BWRPOD at checkout and you will be on your way. Click the link in the show notes to purchase your copy today. Thank you for being such loyal listeners. You know the rules of the game. Yeah. You know the rules of the game. I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I won't talk to you. You shouldn't even get this tape. Hey. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do. Have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next week. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, what up, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen, checking in again. Back at it. Love to be here. How y'all doing, bro? Going on, everybody. Kelly here, checking in, checking in. What's good, what's good, what's good, what up? It's your boy, Jerry, checking in. How y'all boys doing today, man? How y'all feeling, man? Feeling lovely, man. It's, it's a static, bro. 
It's beautiful a Sunday. Oh, beautiful mm-hmm. Sunday, man. Temperature just right. Oh, man. And we got a very special guest on the podcast. Yes, sir. Man. We definitely thankful for her taking her time out of the schedule. Um, we had saw like this article on Instagram of this black woman who was a VP of an aviation airline. Yeah. I was just like, man, what? And then I just kept on seeing it, kept on seeing it. So I was like, you know what? We got to look into this. Uh, ended up DMing her. Got a, a DM back. Um, and ever since then, we got on. We want to say thank you to Ms. Rexy Royal, uh, the VP of Bahamas Airline, Western Bahamas Airline. Thank you guys for having me. Like I told you guys earlier, I think it's amazing what y'all are doing, making it a practical approach. When we're thinking about Black entrepreneurship, Black wealth, and um, giving people daily inspiration and as well as practical information as to how to proceed in business. So thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. Um, so we're just going to kick it off. And we want to know, well, we really didn't get our guests to introduce themselves to the audience. You know, where you're from, how did you get started, what you're doing now, and kind of like what was that process? What kind of swayed you to that area? Right. Well, that's a loaded one. Well. Um, So currently I'm VP of operations and general counsel at Western Air, and that's an airline based out of the Bahamas. And essentially it is also a family owned and operated company. It was started by my parents in 2000 and our inaugural flight was in 2001. I was 12 and um, it literally started with just uh, the idea was just to have one aircraft. And my dad is a pilot by trade. Well, not he doesn't fly anymore. If you haven't seen, he has a really big stomach. So that's over. <laughs> but back then, he was a private pilot. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And basically, the idea was just to try to finance one aircraft to go from where we're from, Andres, into the city. Because as you could imagine, the Bahamas is separated by water. And so if you want to go to the hospital, if you need to go to the court, if you need to do bulk grocery shopping, you have to go to Nassau. So if you're not going on the boat, the other alternative is obviously to travel by air. And um, so that's the general context that everybody's used to flying on smaller aircraft. And so at the time we had the national air carrier, Bahamas Air, which is still around, but um, they were busy with a lot of other routes. And so uh, we saw an opportunity, in fact, my mom and I got stuck on the airport for most of the day and we came back home to my dad and we were like, there's got to be another way just to get from one island to the next. It's 15 minutes. There's got to be another way. So that's really how that kind of started. And, um, you know, my, my folks are very young. And so we kind of, I like to say we grew up together and they were the kind of parents that made me involved in things that I did not want to be involved in, going to aircraft inspections, meeting with aircraft brokers at 12, 11, 10 years old. Um, And so it became a passion of mine as well. And then, of course, as you know, in any good business, if you are expanding, you also will feel a lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. And so I felt it was important for me to kind of cater my educational career and also my work experience into how I can assist Western Air. And it was clear that it was on the legal side and as well as the operational side. Sometimes you could have the whole idea of how something works, but as you guys know, there's a lot that goes behind business and structure and documentation and improving the internal structure of a company. 
And so that's where, you know, I came in to further assist where the company was already going. I love it. Yeah. yeah, some gems in that one. It is. And it's like, to me, it's really like a true example of like building generational wealth. Yeah, and planting those seeds, man. It's like from generations there, you see it in real time. Like they, you at 12 years old there with the family. That's dope. Like, and see right. it build into that person. Now you provide way more value to the organization than they probably even thought y'all would have needed at the time. Absolutely. And you know what is so funny is that I think the more we got, I guess, uh, you know, various articles that went around, one of the main conversations or things that people would send me and say, well, well, this would have been more interesting if she was working for Delta. This would have been more interesting if she was working for, you know, JetBlue or something like that. And no offense to those airlines, of course, they're amazing. But at the end of the day, I find it, I always find that so strange that we want to talk about black wealth and we want to talk about generational building, generational wealth. And I'm telling you that, you know, I remember being nine, 10 years old and we're sitting in the house with aircraft tires, GPUs and all of our files in the house. And you're teaching your children the struggle and the hustle and to con continue to push at what you feel you could actually achieve. And then people kind of smear it as, no, it would have been more interesting if she was working for someone else's company. No, I prefer to work for a company, number one, that is going to represent my beliefs. And I know that it's very closely connected because it's my family's company. So I feel a lot of pride in that. And sometimes we kind of underestimate that because it just seems so close to home, but it doesn't make it any easier. In fact, I'm more closer to understand the trials that had to happen in order for us to get to that point. And whoever was telling you it would have been more interesting, forget them, because it's definitely more interesting than saying we built this from the ground in, what, 19 years ago? So, yeah, this is amazing, um, especially y'all. So y'all have expanded now. Like, how many uh, aircrafts do y'all have now? We have currently 16 aircrafts. Um, Right now, we operate the Embraer 145. So those are regional jets. They're 50-seaters, similar to if you would fly on American Eagle into smaller regions here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And so we also operate the Saab 340s, and those are the 33-seaters, which were I call them the OGs. They've been around for a while, <laughs> and they were super helpful from the time frame of like 2008 up until, like I would say, 2000. Uh, 16. They've been some really, really solid aircrafts for us. And um, so that's where we're at now. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so... Y'all uh, y'all normally just, y'all just fly straight Bahamas, uh, the Bahamian Islands? Yes. So our core uh, business is, is uh, the Bohemian market. And so we fly throughout all the major destinations throughout the Bahamas. So that's going from Nassau to Freeport, Nassau to Bimini, Nassau to Exuma, Cat Island, San Andres, all the different islands that, um, number one, that Bohemians would fly to for business or if they have another um, we have a lot of, you know, your lawyers, your doctors who have firms in multiple islands. We have a lot of tourists that come and want to explore the outer islands. And so we also offer on-demand charters throughout 
the Caribbean and Central and South America. And so Freeport, Grand Bahama is considered like the second city in the Bahamas. And so we fly between Nassau and Freeport at a minimum of 10 to 12 times a day. And so we're busy. <laughs> hey, that's, that's good. That's amazing to hear. Yes. So I want to know, like, how do you go from just having uh, a plane to becoming an airline? And what does that process look like? That's a good question. So, like I said, the initial goal was one aircraft. However, I like to bring God and everything. But, yeah. but um, So what happened was the aircraft broker who my parents were dealing with, he recommended an aircraft financier. And this financier basically was losing a lot of money because uh, he had three aircrafts that were sitting in Argentina at the time. And during that time, the Argentina economy had really taken a downturn. And so he said, you know, I like what you guys are trying to do. How about instead of one aircraft, you guys take three and take them off my hand. I'm not making any money off them anyway. That's the God part that I like to say, because, I mean, it didn't necessarily have to work out that way. And so instead of one aircraft, we were starting off with three uh, Metro 3s was the name of that type of aircraft at that time. And so once we started, the aircraft sat actually for a good year. And if you could imagine um, how scary that was in terms of making that investment and, and you're not getting any sort of revenue, but the safety oversight department or the FSI at the time wasn't really fully developed in the Bahamas. There was of course civil aviation, but there was another department needed to kind of regulate an airline that wasn't the national air carrier. So that in itself was the struggle. But the reality is, is outside of the start of that, it became consistency. At the end of the day, people just want you to fly them from point A to point B safely on time and with their luggage and consistently. They want to be able to rely upon you. And so that's really what it was. So as soon as we began, uh, just from San Andres to Nassau, it was just pup, 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 pup. Every other hour we were flying. And so when the national air carrier was coming into that location, maybe twice a day, we had already done five or six flights. So that kind of, we also were aggressive, you know, so that kind of um, consistency would make people say, well, you know, I want to get where I'm trying to go. I don't have hours and hours to wait. I'll hop on Western Air. That kind of um, and then we would always put on additional flights. So we weren't stuck in this box. Okay, we only present to you two flights a day. Nah, you want to go? There's enough people go, let's go. That's, <laughs> that's the way how we started. And so, it, you know, other communities started requesting our service. And that's the way how we got into the other islands, just being consistent. Y'all like the black Uber of air care. Right, <laughs> right, right. So no shame in that game. <laughs> and with with that, I wanted to ask. So you say y'all got three planes, but your dad is the only pilot. So the next challenge is finding more people to fly. So right, but my dad was never going to be a pilot for that for the aircraft. Um, the idea was he was always going to, you know, assist with the operational part and and run it. Um, so we initially, remember I told you the Argentina economy had taken a downturn. As a result of that, and this is the God factor as well, um, 
those same three aircrafts we were able to hire, because at the time we couldn't find any pilots in the Bahamas with those particular qualifications, we were able to hire the same pilots that were flying those aircrafts in Argentina. So it's basically like we just took the same, the full on operation. Right. And our first employee uh, was a gentleman, a mechanic from Panama, and he came to, to live in Andres with us. And, you know, like I remember it like it was yesterday. And they, we literally were operating on the outside of the airport, <laughs> on the outside of the airport, and just taking it one day at a time. And every day, my aunts and my cousins were the ones who were the ticket agents in Nassau. My aunts were the ticket agents in Andres until, you know, we continue to grow and hire additional people. I love it, man. Humble beginnings and just like consistency and yeah. grind. That, yeah, that's a true lesson for businesses. Just like that lesson on consistency, because it's not even just like in that industry. That's something across the board. Everybody wants consistency yeah. from any business. It don't matter what business you in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one cool thing I wanted to take out of there, too, I like that you said that your dad always had the plan to not be a pilot. He was supposed to be part of the operations. Like a lot of people don't, they don't get that key step in there of like, how am I going to remove myself from this business? How is it going to run without me? And he already had that planned out from the beginning. I think that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, I think you have to take full stock of your business and see where you are most beneficial. You know, pilots are incredibly important and you want them focused on their functionality, period. They don't need to be thinking about, oh, I, I need to send the fuel check. Mm. No, you want your pilots focused on precisely what they are doing. And that's flying people from point A to point B safely. So I think he recognized that from earlier on that he would be operating the company instead of flying. So what gave him even more leeway to, you know, drink and eat and get bigger and <laughs> all this jazz. So I kind of want to go back to the beginning, like whenever you say you're growing up. So what does school look like? I know you say, you know, you went to college to become an aviation attorney, but what does school look like? Did you always plan on that or did you kind of have some resentment to the business whenever you kind of got older? Yes. So I didn't always plan on it. When I was five, I told my parents I was going to be a lawyer and a pop star. One of those things I'm not. And so, and I said to them, um, so that I always wanted to be a lawyer. I just didn't know that aviation was going to be a part of a part of it because, you know, when before 10, 11 years old, even though my dad was a pilot and aviation was always a part of our lives, Western Air didn't exist. So I didn't, ha I didn't think, okay, well, I was going to be uh, an attorney for an airline. But what it was is that after school, so for example, like in grade, I think that was grade eight and nine, I would be coming home from school. We'd have to stop at the airport and you have, you know, you got to write your little baggage tag, mm -hmm. help Miss So-and-so, Miss Johnson, or Miss this and that, Miss Smith or whatever, carry their bags to the aircraft. And that was just a part of life. And in the meantime, you know, you talk to your parents, the only thing they want to talk about is business. So you learn a few things. And then outside of that, um, you know, as I got older and as I, you know, attended college and they started talk talking to me even more about the internal struggles of the business, then I started to realize, okay, you know, 
there's a lot more here and there's a lot more that can be done and there's a lot that is needed and that is still needed. I always say like we are a big little company, meaning we have a lot going on, but there's really just us three that are decision makers. And then we have a few, you know, management heads in different departments who we rely on. Um, But for the most part, we are a close knit team. And so growing up, no, I didn't automatically know. My parents had a few different conversations with me because they were like, we don't know where this girl is going to do, what she's going to do, where she's going to go. And, you know, certainly after law school, I felt like any new graduate, I wanted to prove myself. And so I, you know, worked at, at different firms. And But still at the end of the day, I quickly recognized that it would be more beneficial for not just myself, but for West Nair, for my family, that I that I cater my law education towards aviation and towards business. And the more I did that, the more I became fascinated because it really is a special industry that is exciting and no day looks the same. So I think it was a great move. And my grandfather, God bless his soul, he would always tell me, even before I recognized I was going to do what I'm, I'm doing with Westinair, he would always say, you, you have to take the company to the next level. You've got to take the, you've got to be the one to do da, da, da. And I would always roll my eyes, roll my eyes, roll my eyes. Like I will be the one making that decision. And I think he just like jinxed me because I turned so, <laughs> I turned so into the same very business that I thought I was, you know, it was just kind of a passive thing. You spoke about um, being the VP of operations. So what, is, what does a normal day look like in a, a, being a VP of operations for an airline? Right. So, you know, recently we had Hurricane Dorian that drastically changed the landscape of Grand Bahama. I'm based in Freeport. And so usually my day would look like I, you know, going into the office and, and you have a lot of different operational calls from dispatch or this different department, the ticket counters, X, Y, and Z. But that has changed a bit. And so a lot of my work, as usual, is done via phone and laptop. And as long as I have those, well, actually three phones, as long as I have those, those three phones and my laptop, I'm good. But really what it just boils down to is balancing what I like to call the bigger picture. While everyone is focused on their functionality in the company. So if you are a dispatcher, you are the nucleus of the operations, them showing where the aircraft should be at all times, what time, when to board, all of that great stuff. They're focused on that. You have your customer service agents who are dealing on the front line with your passengers. They're focused on that. You have your administrators who are dealing with the accounts and the business-to-business relationships. They're focused on that. You constantly need eyes that are looking at the overall picture, the overall passenger experience, the overall business flow, revenue, expenses. Um, And so when you look, when I say VP of operations, it's the entire operational flow, not just externally what the passengers is experiencing, but it's also internally and how our departments are speaking to each other, how they're communicating, or if there's a lack of communication that is causing some form of you know, delay or hindrance in the operations, that's where I come in. And then, so it's balancing that along with the legal side of things. So of course, we have various, you know, different vendors that we would have contracts with. 
um, or negotiations with that, whether we're speaking to other airlines or like I said, other businesses, um, purchasing aircraft acquisitions, leasing and all that stuff. So it's a balancing between the operational side of the business and the legal side. And that's usually what my day consists of. Lots of emails, lots of different uh, calls with various vendors. And, um, and of course, with our team. Yeah, that's, that's a... <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> You're doing all of this. Yeah, that's a lot. And, yeah. and I was on your Instagram page, but that's not all you do. Nope. So a lot of... I'm pretty sure if you don't know who she is, you probably don't know. Like you also like very artist. creative. Yeah, yeah you're, you're an artist. artist. You do modeling, you do singing, uh what fashion. Yeah, like how do you find the time to get all of this wrapped into your day? Well, I really appreciate that. But the thing about it is that I have to do that in order to stay sane. <laughs> you know, if you think about it. I don't know, maybe that's the little Gemini in me. I have to have a little bit of sugar and a little bit of spice. I can't be completely consumed all the time or else it would drive me crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's literally, um, I need that creative outlet or you know, what I find fun to kind of balance off everything that I've been doing that day. So you know, literally, if I came in to have a meeting with you know, our manufacturer, you know, we'll go to that meeting, I'll answer emails, I'll I'll, you know, go through a few different uh, agreements, a yay, nay, whatever, or redline it, send it back. And then afterwards, I want to go to the studio and I want to write music. And I want to do that because that's a part of having a balanced life in my head. So, you know, and plus I'm a woman, guys. So, <laughs> like we can do anything. <laughs> but that speaks volumes, too, because you have a lot of those entrepreneurs and a lot of those business people who, you know, they're just focused on that one goal and they don't really give themselves that, Take that time for yeah, to, to really just reflect on themselves or, you know, and say, hey, let me go sing about my day or let me go, you know, paint about something or go write a poem. Um, they, they don't really or even just go walk or exercise. They don't give themselves that time of day. So that's really important that, you know, you realize that that I need that in order for me to keep going and stay strong. Right. And many days you don't get that option. <laughs> like, you know, that, that comes around occasionally, but, and it's a, it's a balancing act because sometimes you feel guilty, you know, you like every time I'm not doing something Western air related or every time I'm not posting something Western air related, I feel like, Oh Jesus, they're going to think I'm not doing, you know, I feel that guilt. Right. Um, but I, I try to work through it because you have to be a well-rounded human being that doesn't just, hold one side. And so uh, as long, and it also helps me to think better. So if I have a photo shoot or something that was fun for like two hours, but outside of that, when I come back, I'm just like, you know what? They should have changed this schedule to X, Y, and Z, da, 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 da. And I'm sending off all kind of emails and I feel, you know, invigorated to do, you know, what else I have to do. So it really does help to have some sort of balance and a mixture of what you're up to. For me, at least, that's not for everybody. But I'd really argue that it is for most people because, like, it's, it's cool. Like, we understand the grind, like Jason said. It, we all on it. We all understand that, that grind, that hustle, that you really, really want to be, like, locked in on what you're doing. But that time for self-care is still very, very important. Right, right. Jared or Kelly, y'all had something to look like on the I was about to say. Oh, no, I was just about to say, like, I definitely agree because I have to do the same thing, like, 
I have to take a second and stop because if you don't, like, you'll just, you'll run yourself, you know, into a hole, just going too hard and stuff. Or, you know, then you start to get impatient or you'll start to be trying to rush things. Or, you know, it'll mess up more than it'll help when you go too hard with your wheels sometimes. Right, right. So I did want to go back to the being an aviation lawyer. Um, Can you explain to the following, like, exactly like what exactly that is and and what kind of things that you do on a daily basis for for just that aspect right so aviation law is uh there are a lot of sections and aviation in its in general i think the lay public may not necessarily realize there are so many different angles in which you can practice aviation law besides you know besides airline there's of course general aviation and, you know, there's just a lot of different facets, manufacturing parts, all of that jazz. But for me specifically, I obviously am focusing on aircraft acquisitions and or aircraft financing. So there's a lot of um, documentation and work that goes along with that, um, as well as the regulation side of it. So that would be dealing with the FAA or dealing with in, you know, more so I deal with Bahamas Civil Aviation. We are right now in the process of our licensing with the FAA to be able to fly to the U.S. And so we would have more, more, you know, going on with the FAA. But for the most part, being a liaison between the company and those authorities are critically important. You have to be able to respond in a timely fashion and really be very uh, succinct with what you're saying. And so it's a balancing between transactional work, which is really just straightforward contract, contract, contracts, and negotiations, emails, a lot of back and forth of how things shall proceed. And then on the other side is compliance, uh, compliance, different regulations and seeing how much flexibility you have, you know, as an airline or as an operator under those regulations. And I kind of want to since we're in the uh, attorney part, I know David wanted to talk about the. Uh, oh yeah, I know it, it doesn't really yeah, pertain to really the market to. that you're in, but I know he wanted to bring up the Boeing yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole thing with Boeing and the what is it, the seven forty seven Max or seven thirty seven Max? They, yeah. they grounded recently. Well, not recently. So uh, I mean, shit, yeah. been like months yeah. and stuff. But just kind of. I wanted to get uh, somebody who's inside the industry, especially since you're a lawyer, like your insight on that whole situation. Right. Well, she's <laughs> like, that's a mess. I can see it in your face. <laughs> that's, that's a mess. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there were a lot of conversation going on in terms of what was actually known and what was discussed. Mm-hmm. And, um, Let's just say I don't want to go there. But what I will say for the most part is that it was a terrible situation for the aviation industry in general. And I think different civil aviations have to do what is right for their countries. And I think that's why you would have possibly seen a delay in different aviation authorities reacting to that situation after the fact. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities. 
from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Pam offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. I would say that Boeing is actually purchasing our manufacturer for the Embraer 145s. And Boeing, at the end of the day, is, if not the greatest, one of the greatest aircraft manufacturers that in the world. And I think the question that constantly arises is, how much was known? Mm-hmm. And at what time frame? Because it's just so incredibly tedious and so thorough when you release a new aircraft, right? There's so much testing. And even when you are not purchasing a new aircraft, and you're purchasing a refurbished aircraft. There's just so much that goes into it. And so if you are an outsider like myself, but you're in the aviation industry and you're looking in, you're saying to yourself, well, how did that go unnoticed? You know, Um, or did it really go unnoticed? Mm -hmm. And yeah, (laughs) you know, it's, it just raises a lot of questions. And with that being said, it's not impossible. Yeah. We're all humans. We make mistakes. But I think when it comes to aircrafts and an aircraft of that nature, of that magnitude that's worth so much, you put a lot of money and a lot of resources to avoid the same situation. Nevertheless, it does happen. And it does demonstrate that, again, human error is incredibly possible. So... It's a nightmare of a situation for any airline that would have purchased um, or kind of pre-ordered those aircrafts from before. Um, And so it will be a long time before they will really be able to fully understand how that managed to even get to that point. And I will say that it's really important for smaller airlines, much, much smaller airlines to even understand. That's why it's important to really continuously speak to your people. Um, our pilots, we're all on WhatsApp and messages and explaining those things and explaining what they feel from the aircraft X, Y, and Z for the same very reason. Um, and not to, I'm sure other airlines have their own protocol as to how that is done. And for us, we're more of an intimate team and we, we talk consistently. They talk consistently with the maintenance department. And it's just about constant communication and not avoiding that communication. But I will say no one is um, no one is above error. And that's just is what it is. Boeing is the best in the world, one of the best in the world. And, and still, no one is above error. Interesting insight. Yeah, it is. I did, you made me think about it from a couple of different perspectives. I know the biggest thing that I had, uh, whenever I first initially heard of it, because I, li- I listened to the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. They were talking about, like, whenever that part of it came out, I was like, whoa, so... You mean to tell me that maybe they did know? Because then that was like a whole different side of things that I didn't even consider. I just thought it was like an unfortunate incident. Yeah, that's just like an anomaly. That yeah, like why twice. would it happen twice in such a short period of time? And then it comes out like that. So it's just like, I, I, it's interesting to hear your perspective. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I'll say it like even once we started flying the Embraer 145s, we 
With Bahamas Civil Aviation, there are a few different steps. Once they were purchased from Embraer, we conducted a various tests, tons and tons of tests, right? Test flights and, and inspections, X, Y, and Z. Then you come into your you know, civil aviation authority and you have to conduct different inspections and different tests as well. And so alongside that period, even before any sort of paying passenger goes on that aircraft, you would have done hours and hours. We would have done hours and hours and hours of just flying, you know, empty. And so with that being said, I'm sure they would have done an abundance of that as well. And so it's kind of hard to try to understand, well, how did that, you know, leave why was that left and not further discussed more at that point? And sometimes, I mean, there's a lot of technicalities involved in it. I think they felt as if it was something that could be controlled from what I understand from the flight deck. And so I, I'm not a pilot and I'm not going to say that, you know, uh, they were right or wrong, but I will say there was a lot of discussion that probably could have avoided possibly that. Just kind of, I think this kind of opens, and this just might be me, like a, a broader, uh, like a broader conversation, really, on some things with capitalism in large industries. Like you know, sometimes in large industries, we think like the BP oil crisis and things like that. You can like they can over kind of like it'll happen, but not. I'm not gonna say overlook it, but. The way that they'll kind of get it. The way they value it is like, look, we got to make this money. Yeah, because the kind of the same thing happened with that. I think it was one of the higher ups. He kind of knew something wasn't right with that well, but he still was like, you know what? We have to make this money because we have a large company that we have to keep going. So like he said, I think it does kind of, you know, bring that question to capitalism. Where is where is the business more important versus the consumer's lives, like the consumer's well-being. So that is kind of a great perspective of that. Yeah, I just think, it just made me think about it. Because like, I think of smaller, more intimate airlines like y'all, it's like, I feel much safer in the hands of people who value, they value the value, like the profit of their company, but they also value the people. Yeah. Okay. Like you said, growing up. Right. Well, what I would say just in general, though, is that, Anytime anything happens to any airline, to any aircraft, it does not benefit monetarily for anyone. So we constantly need the public to feel safe flying on these man-made machines. The reality is, is that human error is possible. But at the end of the day, um, what is most critical is being safe. And if you if you want to talk about, um, of course, capitalism runs the show, but if they are even if their focus is just money, then their focus is being safe, because if they are not demonstrating safety, then the industry does not make money. Right. So I'm sure no one wanted something like this to happen. And I'm sure that definitely wasn't the intent. And I'm sure safety at the end of the day would have been the priority because safety does equal money if their mindset is money. So um, like I said, no company, no matter how great they are, is above error. And 
I definitely I think that's a slept on benefit of capitalism. Like when you look at it in the grand overall scope, people have a incentive to give you the best product or the best service, because at the end of the day, that creates more capital and more revenue for them at the end of the day. If I give you something, if I give you iPhones and they start to explode, you don't want to buy iPhones anymore. So I have to get some very, very good product before I give it out to you. You know, so like you said, if anything bad happens in the air industry, now anybody that feels a little bit less safe riding a plane, that creates issues for everybody. So it's like, I I definitely, I I think that's a slept on benefit. And I feel where you're coming from for that. Yeah, it's a benefit to give people good service. Mm -hmm. It's a benefit to give people a quality product. Everyone wins. And so, um, yeah, I think that really is at the core of a successful business. If you really are good to people, they will respond. So I kind of want to get into some of the, the, not really struggles, but the pain points of being in the aviation industry. And especially since, you know, we are black, I don't know too many black people in that space. So what are some of those, you know, challenges that you have to really face on not really just a day-to-day basis, but in that space? Probably the underestimation is really annoying. Um, And, you know, I recently had a conversation with a representative from another airline. And I was under the impression that they wanted to work with us based on mutual uh, mutual friends, not friends, so mutual associates that would have tried to connect to us. And in the conversation, it was just very apparent and condescending as the way how they thought we ran our operations. Oh, so what do you guys do? Like flying like twice a day? Oh. It was very passive and condescending in my opinion. And that's no you know, offense to them. It's just clearly what they naturally think. And the reality is, is that because we are grassroots operations and a lot of our business has not involved the online presence or had to have been so dependent on the online marketing, we come across like a very homely company and that's exactly what we are. But don't let that like completely fool you as to what exactly we're doing every day. And so when it comes to being black, Now, the Bahamas is a predominantly black nation. However, if you are in the world of aviation, you are a minority at the end of the day. And so it's just a matter, like many uh, black businesses, it's fighting to get the things that you know that you are entitled to and that you know that you deserve, meaning the quality of service, the correct products, the quality of the products. And there sometimes could be, you know, a bit of discrimination, whether that's race-based, whether that's um, economic sizing-based, because, you know, Westerners is not Delta. So it's a matter of defending what you know you're entitled to, or your company's entitled to, or what your passengers deserve. No, I don't want you to give me refurbished passenger seatbelts. We pay for X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's really that. It's sometimes an underestimation or, or just people being passive as to what they uh, should provide you because they don't take you as seriously. Um, But for the most part, I really would say money talks. If you are willing to spend money and invest in different businesses, people for the most part are just more so concerned about that. 
and that has been my overall experience. Um, and then every so often I do get challenges about being a woman in this industry, hmm. being a black woman in this industry, because that is even more of a shortage. And I've, I've gotten the sweethearts and the, well, honey, if you knew better and you always kind of have to prove yourself and I love doing that. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I can kind of tell, you know, if somebody tries to box you and you look like you a firecracker and you really might use that as some motivation. So like, how do you use that to fuel you into, you know, say now we're about to start working with the FAA. Like how, how did you use that fuel to say, you know what, we're going to expand more and we're going to say, we're going to show we're going you. To the yeah, US, we're baby. going to the U.S. We're not just this small company. think we are. We're going to show you what we're capable of. Well, yeah, you know, to be honest, what motivates me, I know this sounds very uh, cliche, but what motivates me is our customers. Because the reality is, is that they're the ones, they're the reason why we are in each market that we're in now, because they requested us, because they requested our service. And so if we are seeking licensing to go to another country, like how we've sought licensing to go to Jamaica, as well as Dominican Republic and other places, it's because we have been requested and that's what motivates me. What also motivates me is our team. We're small but mighty in terms of, I think we have now maybe 188 employees, but we're literally flying thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But it's this little team and they are mighty. And so those are the people that motivate me, passengers, and their experience and their what they want to see happen for Western Air is what motivates me. And, um, and so, to be honest, I'm not really moved by anybody that doesn't fully understand my judge or my picture. They may not understand how I choose to dress, how I choose to post on social media, what I'm about, X, Y, and Z. But I like to say the proof is in the pudding. At the end of the day, just do what you have to do. And you come to work every day with a purpose. And I know that our purpose is to be reliable to the people that choose to trust us and fly with us every single day. And every day we are grateful that they are giving us that opportunity. And so I can't be moved or flustered by other people who don't get the, who didn't get the memo, you know? I like that for the ones who didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah. And we know y'all listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Okay, so I want to get one last thing before we pivot to the last part. So if someone wants to break into the aviation industry, um, even if they want to start like a solo, just, you know, one man operation, want to do private, or even if they want to get into the uh, lawyer side, how would they do that? Where would they go and find those resources to break into that market? Right. Number one, you have to enjoy thinking. <laughs> in terms of in terms of you have to be incredibly thoughtful as to what your plan is and i would just say that in general about business is that you should enjoy your time thinking because any sort of investor or any sort of customer that you are trying to woo will have questions for you and you should have already answered all of them in the back of your mind and so when it comes to if you want to start you know, a small airline or a private charter or part 135 type of operations, where are you flying and who are you catering to? We know that at the end of the day, we are catering to people who want to travel throughout the islands of the Bahamas, the Bohemian public, tourists, 
business people. We have a general idea of who those individuals are. But outside of that, you have to know what your niche market is going to be. Who are those people that you are going to make life a bit easier for? Because if you're not making life easier, then they don't really need you. And to me, it's better to be in some form of essential service or a needs business than a want business. And sometimes the needs and wants are blurred and that's okay. And if you have managed to be successful in providing a want business, then you are almost providing a need business. So I would just say that it's really important that they recognize. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. What would be your roots? who you'd be targeting. And then on the legal side, of course, that goes into LSATs and applying for law school and all of that good jazz and really kind of catering your mentorships and your internships and your fellowships towards the type of law that you would want to practice. And if that's aviation, I talked about it on my IG the other day that I literally emailed unsolicited best aviation attorneys in Southern California, because that's where I was at the time. And as you can imagine, that works sometimes, and sometimes it does not work. Good thing for me, quite a bit of them responded, and I was able to work alongside with them. And so you really should have a more practical approach and a practical idea as to what that looks like, because it's not easy. It's incredibly tedious, and it's stressful. And you have to know how you are going to deal with that stress. And whether it's something that you're that passionate about that you're going to stick it through. A lot of people get very deterred when they see a lot of documentation that's needed or a process that looks like it's sending you around the world and back. It's like, ah, screw this. So you have to have, you know, the passion for it to, so that you are able to sustain yourself more longer term. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. So with that, we're going to pivot to the last segment of the show. Uh, we're going to do what's on your timeline. So, Rexy, we want to ask you something that you've seen on social media that you think is impactful or important that you just want to talk about. All right. So I follow Sarah Blakely, and mm-hmm. she is the owner of Spanx. And I think she was the youngest female billionaire. I, I'm not too sure, but she's the youngest female billionaire, and she created Spanx. You guys, you guys know Spanx. Yeah, we know Spanx. I don't know Sarah, but I know Spanx. Right, right. Okay. Well, one of the things that I heard that she said, um, it was a recent post and she said, one of the things that every human being has a million dollar idea, has a million dollar idea in them. And what stops us from achieving that million dollar idea or bringing it to life is fear of failing. And it's so incredibly true. We are so, we live in that era where we're so, you know, afraid of what other people may think. And, and sometimes we think that our ideas are not good enough, or we feel like if we haven't seen it be done before, that it's not possible. And the reality is, is that everything had to have a first. And so it's all about taking that risk and not being afraid of going after what you feel is possible. Mm-hmm. Or, or going after what your ideas are that have come to you. So I thought that was really interesting and powerful. And then just one other thing I, I also saw was just the importance of understanding your purpose in general in life. 
and not everyone is going to be an entrepreneur and not everyone is going to be an employee and there's no shame in either. And sometimes your purpose is attached to someone else's vision because sometimes visionaries are not always doers or are not good at implementing or enforcing things. And there have been many people who have become millionaires off somebody else's vision. And so while I'm 100% pro-Black entrepreneurship, Black businesses, and I certainly want people to create ownership of their own ideas, but understand how we can help build each other because and still uh, create wealth between each other. Um, but we have to work at what our strong suits are. Some entrepreneurs are extraordinary visionaries. They have these fantastic ideas, but they will never sit down and continue doing permits and licensing and all the jazz that is necessary. So it never gets done. So somebody has to do that. And so there's no shame in being a part of a team, you know, and still creating wealth along the way. So that's just what I was saying. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's a great way to end it. Like, <laughs> I don't even want to say nothing after that, man. Look, I'm gonna because I'm gonna mess that up. So look, we want to say thank you yeah. for coming thank on. Thank you guys. Sharing all your knowledge, your expertise, and your story. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, before we wrap up, we're gonna get into some house cleaning. Oh, wait. What we got? Rexy, please let oh, the people I'm, know I'm where sorry, you where I'm they sorry, can find I'm you. Sorry. If they want to know more about you, they where they can check out your music, where they can check out all the different things you got going on. Yeah. This oh, right. right. My Instagram is Rexy Roll, R-E-X-Y-R-O-L-L-E. Um, that's my IG and my website is rexyroll.com. Y'all definitely go. And if you're in the Bahamas and you would love to travel throughout the different islands of the Bahamas, westernairbahamas.com and uh, definitely come see us. We have flights going all throughout the day to go to any one of the beautiful islands throughout the Bahamas. I got to go back to the Bahamas, man. Right, we're going to yeah. go to the Bahamas. We're going to fly yeah, hey, there when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, between there and Jamaica, bro, top two places I've been, bro. Oh, awesome. Awesome. They, Thank you guys so I much. I know. No uh, so let's get into this house cleaning before we wrap up. Okay. Um, we want to say thank you to all our listeners for constantly just rocking with us. Uh, we keep on peaking uh, higher and higher in the Apple uh, podcast. We recently peaked at 61 in Apple hey. US Business Podcast. So thank you to all the listeners. No. Check out the website, www.blackwellfrenaissance.com. Yeah. You can get on all these courses, these tools and resources we got up there for y'all. We got ways you can learn how to build a skill. We got ways you can learn how to build a business. We got all these different t tools up there for y'all. We got blogs teaching you about different things. We got the merch. You see us wearing it. We yeah. always wearing it. Y'all check out the merch. Um, what else we got up there, man? What, man, uh, that's pretty much it. Our podcast, other podcasts, uh, pretty much that's pretty much it y'all just keep on tuning in uh be on the lookout for the black investor summit happening in next year 2020 uh location kind of changed we're gonna let y'all know where the location is but we want y'all to know it's coming uh be on the lookout tech summit to 2100 yeah to stay updated. Updated. so you can stay updated uh also patreon shout out to all our patreons join the patreon team y'all want to keep up and y'all want to get access to early releases of our episodes 
um, you get to interact with us personally. Um, it's just a dollar a month. It's very low and it helps us travel. In January, we're gonna be going to our very first college uh, tour. We're gonna be teaching and just speaking about the importance of financial literacy and just really getting your mind right in college. So. Uh, Join the Patreon, you can help us do that and just accomplish some gold. Um, hey, Kelly, what's that Patreon? It's patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. That's patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got anything, Jay? Hey, y'all just uh, make sure you sign up for the email list and stuff uh, as well. We're going to be sending out a lot of updates and a lot of just keeping you updated on what's going on, what's available, uh, all the resources and information. We'll be doing that as we go. So make sure y'all sign up there so you can keep in touch with us. And on that note, this is Black Author in the Sun. Signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathons. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathons. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.